Today is going to be the last lesson we have focusing on corruption. That you have the seven seas of world history. This is the second one, creation and then corruption, uh, that entered the world because of Adam's rebellion against God. We've already seen how Satan deceived Eve and their eating of the forbidden fruit was Adam's willful disobedience to the Lord. And now that corruption has spread to the entirety of creation, and then someday that curse is going to be removed, and God is going to restore the fallen world to its original perfect condition, and that is our hope as believers. Today, we're going to talk about mankind in general and the sinfulness of mankind in general, and what we're going to present is a doctrine that on initial exposure to it, people rebel against it. They automatically want to fight and argue about it. Let's not do that. I've had enough of that today. Let's not do that. (laughs) But no, it is our, as we talk about our sinful rebellion, it is our sinful rebellion that wants to argue against the doctrine that we're going to speak of about sin. So let's go to Romans 5. We're going to read a passage uh, that sets the standard for us. Um, And this whole concept, these verses and this, this concept that we're going to look at will offer to us the explanation for why people are the way that they are why the world is the way that it is. This is the answer to that question. Why is the world the way that it is? Romans 5, starting in verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the trespass of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the gracious gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift of By the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. On the other hand, the gracious gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, many were appointed sinners... Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be appointed righteous. Now, the law came in 
so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. One of the most uh, confusing passages, right? Which is why you have to read that one really slowly to see what's going on. So um, let's ask some questions of the text. What type of literature is the book of Romans? Is it poetry? No, no. It's called an epistle, E-P-I-S-T-L-E, epistle. Uh, The epistles are not the wives of the apostles. (laughs) Epistles are letters. This is a letter from Paul to the Christians in Rome, not to be interpreted figuratively, allegorically, but literally. Verse 12 refers to the one man. Who is that one man? Adam. Through the one man, sin has come into the world. That's through Adam. And what was the result of Adam's actions? Sin and death spread to all men. This is where it gets controversial. And there's a lot of nuances to all that we're going to talk about today. We're not going to get into any of those. Uh, we'll focus on the, the, the bigger picture. Some will say, well, that's really unfair. That sin spreads to all mankind because of Adam. Death spreads to all mankind because of Adam. Well, that's not fair. This is how the Bible presents this. It's a doctrine called federal headship. That Adam is the head of the human race. And as our head, we are in Adam. We're born in Adam, which means we're born in sin. We're we're born in destruction. Now, through Christ, we are in Christ. Do you see now the New Testament language? In Adam versus in Christ? So Adam is the federal head of all humanity except for Christians. Christ is now our head. We are in him, which is why death does not reign in us. Life reigns in us. Because through his work, everything has changed. So who is Adam contrasted with in Romans 5? Christ. So it's the one man versus the one man. You gotta be really careful. The LSB helps because anytime one is referring to Christ, it capitalizes one as the proper pronoun to let us know it's referring to Jesus Christ. So sin comes through one man. Righteousness comes through one man. Sin and death through Adam, righteousness and justification in Christ. So who is it that stands under the just condemnation of their sin? Who's guilty? All. Everybody. Everybody is guilty before God. So let's, let's talk about this for a minute. So uh, you keep your finger in Romans 5. Uh, turn back to Romans 3. We're going to look at a few other verses that are going to help flesh this out and provide some commentary on Romans 5. Romans 3, verse 23. 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's the the conclusion, the culmination of all the verses that have just come before it in Romans 3, really from one, Romans 1.18 through Romans 3, the universal condemnation on all of humanity because of sin. No one's exempt. No one's immune. All of us fall under that just condemnation for sin. Uh, turn back to Genesis 6. This is the conclusion that the Lord comes to about mankind. We're some generations removed from Adam and Eve and the Cain killing Abel, all of that. Here's God's conclusion about the human race, Genesis 6, verse 5. Then Yahweh saw that the evil of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Boy, what a sad verse. So this isn't one person assessing another. This is God assessing humanity. And notice the, the language of extreme. Every intent, not some, every of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Again, overwhelming condemnation for sin. Go to Genesis 8. That was before the flood. This is now after the flood. And because of what we just read in Genesis 6, 5, um, God brings the flood and destroys all humanity with the exception of Noah and his family because Noah found favor in the eyes of God. It's a word for grace. God showed Noah and his family grace by saving them. They weren't perfect and sinless. They were just as guilty. Here's now after the flood, Genesis 8, verse 21. Yahweh smelled the soothing aroma, and Yahweh said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. So from the beginning, God has laid out This is what's going on in the heart of a human being, evil, from their youth, from their childhood. Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is the psalm that King David writes after the prophet Nathan confronts him with his sin with Bathsheba, the adultery with her, and then killing her husband, Uriah the Hittite. Psalm 51 is an incredible psalm. I'll preach Psalm 51 in, I don't know, like 2080 uh, when we get to that in the Psalms. Psalm 51.5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. So how long has David been sinful? Since the womb. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 17 carries a verse that our current culture and generations coming up now need to memorize. 
because the prevailing wisdom of our culture is follow your heart. But I'm reading a book right now, Mike Newhart and I were talking about it yesterday, um, called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And the purpose of the book is to debunk the myth that says if you want joy in your career, you want happiness in your work life, because the vast majority of people are absolutely miserable in their work life, that if you want happiness, here's what you do. Find something you're passionate about and then go get a job that does that. That's actually terrible career advice, setting you up for ultimate disappointment for the rest of your days. So, all, so the book is all of the research laying out, this is why this is really foolish advice, don't follow this, and why actually being really good at your job and skill is what leads to uh, job satisfaction over the long term. But we're told, here's how you're, you're going to be happy in life, just follow your heart. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can know it? Don't follow your heart. It's evil. It is desperately sick. Your heart is broken. It's been twisted because of the reality of sin in your life. So don't think that if you can just follow your heart, which when translated means do what I want, that you're going to find happiness in life because you won't. Because that is inevitably going to lead you to sin and sin never provides long-lasting satisfaction and happiness, does it? It's always short-lived. So all of these verses are the basis for the inherited sin nature we are born with in a doctrine known as original sin. That you are born with a sin nature. This is where people go, oh, no, no, no. I've been perfect since I was conceived. <laughs> this is where people say, oh, nay, nay. When, when people are born, when babies are born, they're a blank slate. And, at, and, and then if they just follow their heart from that blank slate, they're going to be great people. Biblically, that is untrue. So here's how we know this to be true, two ways. One, the scriptures are very clear. It's in black and white. Two, you ever been around a baby? You ever hung out with toddlers? What do we know about them? They're awful. <laughs> They're cute and they smell good. The babies, not necessarily toddlers. They're gross. We love to cuddle and snuggle. You ever held a baby when they threw a hissy fit and they tense up and they're screaming at the top of their lungs and they clench their fists and they try to, to get away from you, which makes no sense because if they do, they're going to fall onto the floor. The only thing in that moment that is keeping that baby from ripping your head off is its size. <laughs> That's it. This is why one preacher, Vody Bakken, calls babies vipers in a diaper. <laughs> this is why God makes them so cute, is so you won't kill them. And this is why God makes them so small, so they can't kill you. Because they would if they could. Here's what I know about your kids. You never taught them to say no. You didn't have to. That came naturally, didn't it? 
You didn't have to teach them to say, mine. That came naturally. What you had to do was teach them to share. That didn't come naturally. What you had to do was teach them that their job is to submit to your authority. Their initial natural response as a baby is to rebel against that. Where does that come from? That is a sin nature that you are born with. That naturally you will rebel. Naturally you will fight. Naturally you will demand your own way without any care or concern about anyone else in the world. As adults, the only difference between us and infants is we have learned that socially, you can't throw a hissy fit in public, people judge you for it. <laughs> we, we don't do them as, a, though it happens, sometimes they do. <laughs> uh, let him who has ears to hear, hear. It, it happens even in worship gatherings. When people decide to do these things. The only reason you don't do it in public is not because you don't want to and because you've outgrown it. Because you haven't. You still want to. Why is road rage a thing? I mean, is this not case in point? Why is it that you want to slam on your brakes if someone's tailgating you? Why is it when they bother you and they're, they're, you know, you're sitting on cruise and, and the highway, they're just doing this the whole time? I'm not speaking from personal experience. I don't know what you sinners deal with on the roads, but <laughs> why is it that you just want to burp? <laughs> Where does that come from? Why don't you do that? Because it's socially unacceptable and there's crimes. You know, you're going to get in trouble if you do that. It's not because you don't want to. You want to do these things. This is the reality of our sin nature that causes us to rebel against God, which is why there is universal condemnation on the human race for its sin. You don't, you're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner. Your sin nature produces sin, not the other way around. You're a sinner. It is your identity before the Lord, which is why, as God starts flipping switches internally, this is why we turn to him in faith. This is why we run to him and cry out to him for salvation, because he is our only hope. There is no other way to get to a place of righteousness, right with God, and living accordingly without him. There is no way to be justified, Romans 5 Declared innocent before God. Only Christ can accomplish that. Now, don't take this and twist it into when babies die, they go to hell. That's not the case. Um, because people will naturally go there. So what are you saying about the eternal destination of babies? They, cannot, they don't have faith. They can't have faith. Because they don't have the mental capacity for faith. They're in the same category as those who have severe special needs. They don't have a mental capacity to trust in the Lord. Therefore, they are under a covenant of grace with the Lord. But it doesn't change the fact that you and I are born with the capacity from day one to rebel against anyone and everything. Make sense? Yes, sir. You're just saying, yeah, amen. 
So this concept of original sin, sin nature, is very contrary to the message that we hear in our culture um, that, that teaches all people are basically good and inherently righteous and moral, and if you just give us the right environment, if you just keep away from us trauma, if you just keep away from us, you know, whatever it is that would stand in our way, uh, because I'm inherently good and righteous, I will live life that way. And if I don't, it's because of the environment I've been placed in. Or I have a predisposition to do this or that. If you follow your heart, your dreams will not come true. If you follow your heart, your nightmares will come true. Because you will rebel against God and end up in hell separated for eternity from him. Your heart is wicked. Your heart is sinful. Which, which helps us understand Later on, even in Jeremiah, as he lays out what we know now today as the new covenant, the new way of relating with God, what's part of that promise? I will give you a new heart. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give to you a heart of flesh, one that is tender and moldable and surrendering to God. The heart you're born with is incapable of doing that. But when the Lord saves you, he gives you a new heart, which is why today you are capable of submitting yourself to the Lord. That's why today you are fully capable of obeying any and every command the Lord gives you. It's not because we're more righteous than the rest. It's not because we're more moral than the rest. It's because God in Christ has done a transforming work and we have a new heart. And now in Christ, our heart is not more deceitful than all else. Our heart is not desperately sick. Our heart is righteous before the Lord. What great and wonderful grace that the Lord would provide to ensure that we would have that. So, we have four minutes. Questions? You've got a lot of homework, a lot of stuff, a lot of verses to look up that will help uh, continue to reinforce these things and help you understand why the world is the way that it is, and why people do what they do. Pray for me tonight. I am teaching youth group tonight at the middle school and high school this very lesson. Uh, so we get an opportunity to go, don't follow your heart. Please don't. That you're, you're broken. Uh, yes, ma'am. Great. See? Sort of, sort of. Right? Great question. Sort of. Because you have a new heart. So what is, so same idea, what is the explanation of delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart? So, I mean, you've got this truth like, oh, as long as I love God, I can do whatever I want. He's gonna grant me whatever I want. Well, here, here's what it comes, comes down to of theologians call it the already but not yet reality that you and I are in. We come after the sacrificial work of Christ and before his return. So salvation history, we're in a very narrow window, right? It doesn't feel that way. It's been a couple thousand years, but we're in a very narrow window, historically speaking, that God has initiated the kingdom on the earth through Christ He's begun a saving work that will culminate at his return eventually, all of that. We've been saved from our sin and granted a new heart, 
and at the same time, we have remaining indwelling sin. It's still there. So you can follow your heart as long as your heart lines up with the truth of Scripture. If your heart doesn't line up with the truth of Scripture, don't follow it. Does that make sense? Okay, so which is why I say sort of. Yes and no. If you're going to error, error on no, just in case. <laughs> Play it safe. Yeah. All right, that's all we have time for. Thank you. One, two, three, go team.